Help keep Kinks and Beats daily ad-free and receive bonus content early with a contribution of 20 cents per episode. Visit herohabit.com slash shop for more information. Welcome to Kinks and Beats Daily. This is episode 114. I'm your host, Tony Fry. Thank you for downloading yet another podcast episode. I hope you're all doing well and enjoying your um, shelter-in-place situations right now as much as you can. Today we are talking about a Kinks song called Sold Me Out, and this is an interesting story um, in Kinks history. The tune was released November 19th, 1984 on their album Word of Mouth. And uh, recording sessions for the album started in June 1984, and uh, but this song actually comes from sessions the year previous. Uh, it was in 1983 during the sessions for Ray's Water, uh, Return to Waterloo film. So he, he needed the soundtrack done, and uh, they went into the studio and recorded some new tracks. That album would come out in 1985. So this song is recorded in 83, released by the Kinks in 84, and features on what is officially Ray's first solo album on 1985 in 1985 and this song is notable because it does not have dave davies anywhere on it he refused to participate in these sessions um and it is one of the final kink songs to have mick avery on it in fact the only three songs that have mick avery on drums on word of mouth all come from the return to waterloo sessions from the year prior um, so at this point in the Kinks story, Mick and Dave have reached a boiling point, um, and Ray sits Mick aside and he says, "Hey, look, I think you got to go your separate ways. This has gone too far." Um, you know, probably said, "You know, if you leave, we're still the Kinks. If Dave leaves, it's just Ray Davies." And so Mick agrees to bow out. He takes over Conk Studios as the manager of the studio. Um, and they bring in another drummer. And this is the first new drummer they've had in 20 years. Mick has been with them since 1964. So it's been a long run. And uh, he's a critical component to the Kinks. And I think, and I've said this a hundred times already on 114 episodes, the most underrated drummer of his generation. So uh, Dave says in his book, um, during the U.S. makeup tours, Mick and I were really bumping heads. There was always one problem or another. I felt his playing was getting sloppy, his manner too nonchalant. I was also becoming more and more frustrated with him as a person. Mick could be a lot of fun on the road, but I was starting to tire of his attitude. He was always acting like a buffoon. He was becoming particularly abrasive, even arrogant. I still don't really know what was going on in his mind at the time. Maybe it was me. Maybe we had just become two totally different people who had simply grown apart. After one show, Mick lost it, and in a fit of temper, he went for me. Luckily, there were people around who intervened to prevent a full-fledged punch-up. I remember looking over at Mick after the outburst and thinking to myself, that's it, Mick, it's over. I had worked really well with Bob Henrit on my solo stuff and thought that his playing might give us the added kick and tightness that I felt had been missing for a while. Ray and Mick were very close. And Ray was a little surprised by my suggestion to try Henrit out on a few sessions. 
I love Mick. He's always been like a brother to me, but sometimes even brothers can be uh, thoughtless, insensitive, difficult to work with. Mick, more than anyone else, understood the situation between me and Ray. He always seemed sympathetic to my side of the story, but when things got a little rough, he always ended up playing on Ray's team. Sometime after he left, he became good friends again. That made me happy. So I think in Dave's explanation about how he doesn't understand why him and Mick got a, didn't get along, he explains why him and Mick didn't get along, because he always took Ray's side. And I think if he always took Ray's side, uh, it, it might have been... It might have been uh, workable because Dave managed to work with Ray. But I think it's the fact when he says he always seemed to see my side and took Ray's side anyway. I think that's probably where the tension comes from. So mix out, except for this song where he does exceptional drumming. I don't understand. I mean, obviously, I'm only hearing the final product. And maybe in the studios during rehearsals and stuff like that, Mick is getting a little sloppy or whatever. But I think his drumming sounds great on this tune. And I think Ray's guitar playing sounds amazing. So if there's ever any wonder about is Ray uh, a good guitar player, because, you know, the focus has always been on Dave as the guitar player and Ray as the singer, uh, this track blows it out of the water. Ray's a great guitar player. And, uh, you know, he takes some solos. He's got good leads. He's got, you know, he's he's layered the... Uh, different guitar parts on really well uh i think this song would have been a great green day cover i mean i guess it's not too late but this song has that bite and edge that you would see coming from you know punk bands of the 90s and on to today really it's a good tune uh i think this is a classic kinks even without dave it's loud it's biting it's witty it's sardonic it's scathing it's uh it's saying something, you know, uh, and it's loud. Did I mention it's loud? This is a loud song. So uh, structurally, not a whole lot going on. And that's probably what makes this good. And unlike other songs that we've talked about where there wasn't a lot going on uh, harmonically, and I don't mean that as an insult. I mean, sometimes songs are simple. That's fine. Um but sometimes when things weren't going along with a lot of harmonic variation, uh, Ray tends to kind of phone in the melody because he's more focused on the lyrics. In this case, though, he put a really catchy melody on top of what is essentially a four chord song. We're in the key of D. Whoops. Then he goes to five A. Back to one. Four, five doesn't get more basic than that. Then, um, uh, for the chorus, he he throws in one more chord, still in the key of D. It's an F sharp minor chord. That's your three chord. You sold me out, and now it wants more fresh as well. So he uses that three chord um, as kind of a leading tone into the five. And then that's where you get your hook because you've got that um, uh, half step movement. There's there's a half step between the three chord and the four chord. And so you've got this chromatic movement going into uh, the four, which is where your hook comes from. 
a lot of hooks are based on chromatic movement or or moving through the scales and stuff like that. And that's exactly what he's doing here. That's the only chord that's not a one four five, and it only appears in the chorus. This is a very, very simple song, but the way it's arranged, the way the guitars are, are orchestrated and everything, it gives you enough variation where you're not getting bored of being on these same three chords for, uh, you know, four minutes or however long the song is. Um, so it's good. And it's the same version that you hear in return to Waterloo. They did not redo it. And Ray said, you know, he's, he talks about the return to Waterloo album and he says, you know, Dave refused to be on those sessions. So it had to, you know, and without Dave, there's no kinks. So it had to be Ray Davies plus some members of the kinks. And he says that about Return to Waterloo, but three of the songs were released as kink songs on word of mouth that do not have Dave Davies on them and are from those sessions that supposedly could not be kink sessions because he wasn't there. So it's kind of a a weird presentation that, you know, you can say, well, we couldn't have released it as a kinks album, but you just did a year before with three of the tunes. So I don't know what the story is there. Um, but I'm glad they did it because this song is a strong song on that album. And it's uh, it's a good one to crank up loud. And if Billy Joe Armstrong is listening to this, do this with your band, The Cover-Ups. It's a good one. If you love this song or hate this song or any other song for that matter, give me a call, 925-494-1739. Email me, kinksandbeats at herohabit.com. Um, or reach out to me on our discussion group at Hero Habit. You can visit that website, herohabit.com. Under the podcast button, there's a link for Kinks and Beats Daily. It's got all the ways you can contact me, a whole list of the episodes we've done so far, um, everything you need to know about the, the podcast, and all of our coverage of Kinks and Beatles material uh, can be found on that page. So swing by Hero Habit and do that. And uh, of course, we have bonus material coming out to those people who are contributing $4 a month um, to help keep us ad free. There's a bonus episode coming soon. So keep an eye on your emails for that. And uh, that's all I got for today. Have a great day. Stay safe. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow. This podcast is presented by the hero habit podcast network. Swing by HeroHabit.com today to comment on this episode and poke around our growing database of sports and pop culture news, reviews, and collectibles. HeroHabit.com. Collect your heroes.